The Lord uses all we give, no matter what he's given us to give. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Today. We're down to four days to finish her fiscal year. We're asking him to let us finish in the black. 140000 from one, 5000 from another, $100. But God uses all our gifts, $50. May I ask you to help give out of whatever provision he has provided you? And just know this, whatever he leads you to give, Haven Ministries will be used to share Jesus with those who need him most. And that's all of us. A day for the history books. Roe v. Wade struck down by the United States Supreme Court last Friday. What happens next? Legal battles beginning in several states. Pregnancy centers are preparing for vandalism and violence. I never thought I'd see this day. Decades of prayers answered. When I'm around little children, my heart lights up. I'm saddened we live in a culture that doesn't feel the same for the unborn. What are we to do? Jesus called us to love your Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Who is our neighbor, though? Surely pregnant women and the babies they carry. Surely the faith-run pregnancy centers all over North America who provide encouragement, diapers, clothes, and formula for women in need. All the other commands hang on these, but we need the Spirit to do them. May the Lord move through His church in a mighty way today. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is, Monday, and I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're launching a new series this week called Unlikely Conversions. Last week, we talked about the life of C.S. Lewis, who called himself the most unlikely convert in all of England. But we are all unlikely converts, aren't we? And humanly speaking, we are all impossible converts. But there is grace enough for us, found only in Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to talk about two kings. Jesus, the one, the king of kings, But the other is an ancient Hebrew who ruled the kingdom of Judah from age 12. And the Bible says he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He practiced all sorts of idolatry, witchcraft, and even sacrificed his own children to false gods. And even though he deserved judgment, the Spirit has his ways to turn wicked hearts into true worshipers of God. Stay with me. I don't think you want to miss this unlikely conversion. And as I just said, C.S. Lewis is another one of those unlikely converts. He was smart, well-read, but he had absolutely no interest in God. In fact, after his mother died and the hardships of fighting in the Great War, he spoke out against theism. But God had other plans for Lewis as he placed Christians all around him. Within the faculty, I befriended Hugo Dyson and J.R.R. Tolkien. Both Christians. Oh, these queer people were popping up on every side. There was a wider disturbance. All my books were turning against me. Oh, I must have been as blind as a bat not to have seen this before. George MacDonald had done more to me than any other writer. Of course, he had that bee in his bonnet about Christianity. He was good in spite of it. Spencer, Dante, Milton had it too. I thought Chesterton the most sensible man alive apart from his Christianity. I was beginning to think that Christianity was quite sensible. 
apart from its Christianity. A scene from the new film called The Most Reluctant Convert, the untold story of C.S. Lewis. That was Max McLean playing an older Lewis, reflecting on how God was plotting to win him to Christ. Here's how Max explained the movie to me. It's an origin story about how the most, who I think the most influential Christian writer of the past hundred years, and uh, the film is told by an older Lewis coming alive in his memories to tell of his conversion from being a hard-boiled atheist to, first of all, belief in God as a theist, and then finally to belief in Jesus Christ. Actor, writer, producer, and most importantly, a brother in the Lord, Max McLean, talking about his new film called The Most Reluctant Convert. After the program, I want to send you this DVD for your support of the ministry. Our fiscal year end is coming up Thursday. So I want to encourage you to make a gift for the DVD. And can you give us more to help us reach our budget goal? Call us after the program, would you? At 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website, check out the movie trailer, and then make your tax-deductible gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. Now, we're going to open the program with Phil Wickham. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Takes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love.
This is Amazing Grace on a haven a day called Unlikely Conversions. That was Phil Wickham opening the program. I'm Charles Morris. I don't know how hot it is where you live, but much of the U.S. and Canada are approaching the hottest part of the summer. After all, this is the final week of June. And even though summer only began two weeks ago, it feels like it's flying by, doesn't it? Especially with Canada Day this Friday. Independence Day in America in a week. And really, life flies by in much the same way. I don't mean to sound morbid. Just reporting the facts, nothing more. One of my friends in Arizona, where it's really hot, had a shocking realization last week. He's 31 years old, which means he's as close to 50 as he is to 12. But he remembers his 12th birthday like it was yesterday. And the older you get the more the years speed up. I can certainly attest to that. But no matter our age or how long we have left in this life, we know that we share something in common. We're all going to die. And after this comes the judgment. Age, gender, profession, education level, none of it matters at that point. In fact, there's only one thing that will matter when we stand before the judge of all judges of all the earth. Are we in Christ? Are we outside of Christ? As I said when we began our time together, we're in this series called Unlikely Conversions. Last week, we examined the unlikely conversion of C.S. Lewis, or dare I say it the way he did, the most unlikely convert in all of England. But now I want us to turn our eyes to another unlikely convert. And you might be a bit surprised to know it's found in the Old Testament. Manasseh. He was an ancient Hebrew who ruled the kingdom of Judah. We read his story in the 33rd chapter of Second Chronicles, and here's how it starts. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became the king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. That is not a very promising start. A boy becomes king. He leads the nation in wickedness. Remember how the kingdom of Israel split into two after the death of Solomon? The northern kingdom went downhill from the very beginning. They never had a good king, but the southern kingdom of Judah did a little better. Not great, but better. 
They had their share of wicked monarchs, but sometimes they would have one who would lead the people in righteousness and obedience to the Lord. These were the two options, after all. Obey or disobey. Manasseh disobeyed. And he did it in a more extreme way than anyone who came before him. In fact, the list of his sins is almost beyond imagination. Here's what the writer of Chronicles tells us. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had demolished. He also erected altars to the Baals and made Asherah poles. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his children in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, practiced divination and witchcraft, sought omens, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. He took the image he had made and put it in God's temple. You name it, Manasseh probably did it. This was a king who might have made the other bad kings of Judah blush. No one had gone this far. He led the people in worshiping gods other than Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty. He even placed pagan altars in God's temple in Jerusalem. He made his own idol and put it in the temple too. Add to that the witchcraft, the fortune-telling. It's, it's a terrible laundry list. But the thing that shocks us most comes in the middle of the list. He sacrificed his children in the fire. This is something that we can only describe as monstrous. Whether you have children or not, even the thought of this is enough to make one shudder, even shed a tear or two. And doesn't that thought run through our heads? You know the one, that person is too far gone. What a wicked man. He's hopeless. You know, it's almost like the passage is giving us this expectation. All of these bad kings have come and gone. Some had been good. Some had been bad. But none of them were like this. Manasseh went too far. He ignored the word of God. He ran face first towards unbelievable wickedness. And the Lord would not let this stand. He had warned his people what would happen if they disobeyed him, if they worshipped other gods, profaned his temple, and sacrificed their children. He brought judgment down on Judah. And Manasseh's reign came to an end, at least for now. God sent the Assyrians to Jerusalem, and they took the city. The king was captured alive. They chained him up, put a hook in his nose, and led him away into exile. And if we're only thinking of justice, this is exactly what Manasseh deserved. Actually, he deserved even more than this. So he was going to get all that was coming to him, right? Wrong. The chapter doesn't end there. In his distress... He sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem 
and to his kingdom. And then, listen carefully, then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Remember last week when we talked about how C.S. Lewis came to realize that the Lord is God? Riding in that sidecar of his brother's motorcycle, he began to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he became the most unlikely convert in England. Well, God has been doing things like that for a very long time. And thousands of years before, King Manasseh was the most unlikely convert in all the land of Judah. But he was found by God's grace. And, you know, this is a very timely story, at least for those of us where Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Many states have already outlawed abortion. Others expected to follow in the months ahead. And I'm rejoicing that unborn image bearers are getting more of the protections they deserve. But there is a danger to our hearts here. We have a tendency to take an us-versus-them stance, don't we? Those people on the other side are beyond saving. But that isn't true. God's Spirit drew even King Manasseh to himself. The same Holy Spirit is at work with us today. And each and every person who comes to Christ is an unlikely convert. That makes us recoil a little bit, doesn't it? But the Bible doesn't water it down. Remember Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous, not even one. That's an ugly truth, but it's still the truth. And if we were left to ourselves, we'd be no better off than Manasseh, no closer to the Lord. But you know, that's why the gospel is good news. Manasseh was a wicked king who led his people into wickedness and defeat. But Jesus Christ is the king who leads his people into righteousness. And he won the victory for all who trust in him and repent of their sins. Have you ever gone way out to the middle of nowhere and looked up into the night sky? There's no light from a city, no light pollution. It's dark except for the bright shining stars. And the stars never look brighter than when they're against a darkened sky. That's what the grace of God is. The gospel of Jesus Christ is beautiful, even glorious. And we can see that even more clearly against the pitch black background of our sin. That's why the Apostle Paul could say this in Romans 5, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So my advice to you today, throw yourself on the mercy of God. Trust in Jesus as your Savior. And know that if there was grace enough for a king called Manasseh, there's grace enough for you no matter how unlikely a convert you may be. Let's take a moment and pray right now. Would you join me? Oh, Father in heaven, if we just look at our own hearts, it's very hard to do because what we see does not please you. And yet, Lord, we see from the life of Manasseh and C.S. Lewis that you can save even the darkest of hearts. 
that grace and the light of it can shine into those hearts and bring them closer to you, that we can find forgiveness of our sins, that we can trust in you for the rest of our lives, knowing that when the final judgment comes, our sin was paid for by Christ on the cross. Lord, may we all make our way to the cross today and do it every day until we're with our Savior, Jesus, in whose name we pray right now. Amen. He started his career with the musical group GLAD in Virginia. Bob Coughlin and Grace Greater Than Our Sin here on this Haven Today and a program called Unlikely Conversions. I'm Charles Morris. Some of my favorite stories are the ones full of plot twists. Janet and I enjoy mystery stories where you wonder who done it and how in the world will our heroes survive the situation. 
I think that's one of the things I really enjoyed about The Most Reluctant Convert, the untold story of C.S. Lewis. Max McLean wove together the ups and downs of Lewis's conversion to Christ. At times, it seems truly unlikely that he would believe in God, let alone Jesus. And even though we know he becomes a Christian, it's still so interesting to watch how that happened. Even more, I found my faith reminded that God is able to save the hardest of hearts. I want to send you the Most Reluctant Convert DVD for your generous fiscal year-end gift to the ministry. We could really use your help to make our budget by June 30th. If Haven is a blessing to you, would you pray about being a blessing to us right now? And as our thank you, we'll send you the Most Reluctant Convert on DVD. Our number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or watch the movie trailer on our website, and then you can make your year-end gift there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we'll share the great story together. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. The Gospel of John tells us stories no one else does. Like Nicodemus, he was a leader among the Jews, a Pharisee, a scholar. He knew his Bible, but he came to Jesus at night for a secret discussion. He thought he was there to bring Jesus in line, but Jesus was there to save his soul. He told Nicodemus about his kingdom. You must be born again. He told him about the Spirit. The Spirit blows where it wants. You can't see it, but its work is unmistakable, invisible, yet powerful. You can't see a new heart, but you can see a changed life. The Spirit brings us Christ, and we're born again. Where's he blowing today? Get to know Jesus more. Visit GetAnchor.com.